0: If you have your Bible, I'd invite you to turn to Romans chapter 12 this morning, Romans chapter 12. And as you're navigating there, let me just ask you a question here this morning. When you were a child, or maybe even today, are there certain mornings that you were just longing for, that you were really looking forward to the advent of that day? Like, like maybe when you were a kid growing up, it was the, it was the first day of school, you were just really looking forward to your new class, your new teacher, using your new backpack, your new pencils, and all of that kind of stuff. Or maybe if, if today you long for the opening of a particular sports league, NBA, MLB, whatever it is, or, or even March Madness, like you just cannot wait for that particular day to come. You're looking forward to that day. Well, if you were to rank the days that you look forward to waking up the most, I imagine that most of us, especially if you were a child that had a loving, great family, a lot of that, that number one day would be Christmas morning. You were looking forward to Christmas morning because so many of us, when we woke up on Christmas morning, that meant, and if we're being honest with ourselves for a moment, that morning meant one thing, presents. We're celebrating the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ coming in the flesh for sure. But as a kid, what were we looking forward the most? We were looking forward to presents. It, It was the day you woke up earliest in your life. It was the one time you woke up your parents you wanted your present. The reason that we give and receive gifts on Christmas is because we view Christ's Advent, His coming to earth, as as the greatest gift of all. And so we we celebrate that Advent by the giving and the receiving of gifts. Especially true this morning when we think about our year-long series of Hope for Everyday Life, we've been looking at hope for faithful servants This summer series, we've been studying and examining 2 Peter chapter 1 and looking at the various character qualities that that go into being a, a fruitful and faithful servant of the Lord. And so we've been looking at things like love. We've been looking at mutual affection. We've been looking at the various character qualities because... The passage ended that we were studying this way. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So we wanted to grow in being a a faithful servant, and we didn't want to be that person who was blind, who was spiritually nearsighted and forgetting the gracious remission of sins. So what we're doing now with this summer series of hopeful, fruitful service, we've looked at the qualities, what makes a person a fruitful and faithful servant, and now we're going to look at the various gifts that are given to those servants to be fruitful and to be faithful, which is why we're going to be studying in the coming weeks, Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, and kind of doing the same thing that we had done before in looking at one of those particular items and and then studying what the Word of God has to say about that. But today is going to be a little bit of a different day for two primary reasons. If you didn't know, if you didn't get Pastor Burke's email, we are doing communion at the end of this service. So I'd encourage you to be preparing your hearts. We don't normally do it on Sunday mornings, but this particular Sunday we're doing it. So this Sunday is a little bit different because of that. But the second reason that today is just a little bit different is the way in which we're going to study the Word of God. Normally we would study the Word of God by selecting a particular passage and then pulling out the meaning of that passage. If you were here last week, if you were here the week before that, if you were here basically every Sunday for the last few years, we we preach that way exegetically. Today, however, we're going to do what's known as a topical sermon on the spiritual gifts. And we're going to do that because as we study the spiritual gifts in the following few weeks, we just want to make sure that we're all on the same page, what are the spiritual gifts, and an understanding what the Word of God has to say about them, instead of trying to sprinkle in these general teachings about the spiritual, tr- spiritual gifts over the next few weeks. So we're going to look at our key anchor passage this morning, Romans 12, 6 through 8, and then what we're going to do is answer a number of questions around the spiritual gifts. Follow along with me as I read briefly Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. It says this, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or if he teaches in his teaching, or he exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Those are going to be the, the gifts that we study in the subsequent weeks, but today we're going to do a broader study, and again, we don't normally do that. On what are the spiritual gifts? And we're going to seek to answer these five questions here this morning. Number one: What is a spiritual gift? And don't worry, this is all going to be in your notes. I I saw at the nine thirty, like everybody was like scribbling it down really quick. These questions will reappear. Don't worry. What is a spiritual gift? Who gets the spiritual gifts? Does everybody get the spiritual gifts, or do only certain people get spiritual gifts? Uh, Number three, when does a person receive a spiritual gift, if they receive one at all? What is the purpose of the spiritual gifts? And then lastly, are all spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament still active for today? So, so we got a lot of really important questions to answer and then after we've considered those things this morning we're going to remember the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ through the Lord's table first then what is a spiritual gift. We could study a lot of passages, but one of the challenges that we're going to have is just time here this morning. People write entire volumes of books on these, this topic, and, and we've only got, well, according to the clock here, 32 more minutes. One passage that can help us is 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is one of the longest sections in Scripture that talks about spiritual gifts. We're going to look at a few excerpts of that this morning. But, but Paul was writing to them and concerning spiritual gifts. And he didn't want the congregation to be unaware, which means we as a people should make sure that we're not unaware of what does the Bible say about spiritual gifts. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries, and there is the the same Lord. So there's a, a unity even in a diversity. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. But the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. What is a spiritual gift? It is a gift of grace for God's glory, granted by the Holy Spirit, designed for the church's edification. Let's break that down here for a moment. First, a spiritual gift is a a gift. It's not something that you have earned. Back to Christmas morning here again for a, for a second here. You, you might have grown up and your parents said something like this to you. If you're good, then Santa will bring you something for Christmas. If you act this particular way, then a gift is coming your direction. Now maybe even at the workplace, your boss has told you, look, if you're not sick for the entire year, then here's the gift that we're going to give to you guys. Here's the gift that I'll give to you if you do this sort, sort of thing. Calling that a gift may not be the best word to use. True gifts are not earned because of work. They are given out of a deep sense of love. When you see in the Bible persons who have been gifted by God, you should see and understand that that is a gift of God's grace, not something that that individual did, and therefore they have been rewarded it's important for us to understand as we study the topic of spiritual gifts that this has nothing to do with the way the individual has or might function. It is a gift of grace. Let me use an illustration just to make the point here for a moment. And it's going to be a sports illustration. So I know I'm getting into dangerous territory because you guys know I don't know my sports very well. But you guys have heard of Zach Eadie, Right? He's the, the really tall center from Purdue. He's the only reason that Purdue made any basketball headlines this year. If you guys watched the, the, the NCAA March Madness, you know there was only one play Purdue had get Zach the ball. And because he was so tall, seven foot four, he, he basically, if you got him the ball nine times out of ten, he did something really good with it. But if Zach Eady had the same skills and he was five foot five, do you think they'd be giving him the ball constantly? Do you think that the main play would be he's going to post up, get him the ball, and we're going to get some points? The only thing Zach and Purdue had going for them was he was really tall. That was it. Now, because he was a a family member of the Anakim, the giants of the Bible, he was given a great gift to Stuart, and he did the best that he could. But should he walk around boasting of his height? Could, Could Zach walk around and think that he's amazing because he's so tall? He did nothing to earn his height, he did nothing at all to earn his height. Paul would say earlier in the book of 1 Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast? So gifts, spiritual gifts, are truly gifts of grace. It's a reminder for all of us, even as we think about what is a spiritual gift, and you might even be thinking right now about your own spiritual gifting, to remember That if it was a gift, you did nothing. You did nothing to receive it. Let's say, for instance, that I was given the gift of administration. Would it be wise for me to boast that I'm a great administrator? Absolutely not. The text also, the the definition here also tells us that this was given for the, the glory of God. The gifts were given to the church for the glory of God, meaning this is the revelation of God's infinite holiness that would result in His praise. God gave gifts to the church so that He might look really good. God is the one who gets praise when the church uses the gifts that were given. You don't praise The person who's exercising the gift. It's a bit like exalting a paintbrush. Do you exalt the paintbrush or do you exalt the painter? It would be foolish to exalt the person who's been given the gifts. Gifts are about God's glory. That's what they are. Number two, then, who gets spiritual gifts? Let's look at the text here again and jump around the Bible here a little bit. The one that we read, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, we are to exercise them accordingly. Or another passage that we'll look at a bit is Ephesians 4, but to each one of us grace was given to the measure of Christ's gift. Or a passage that we studied earlier this year, 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Each one of us has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. To the question, who has received a spiritual gift? The Bible clearly says every believer. Now, I am a trained biblical counselor, and so I know what just happened when I said every person here who is a Christian received a gift. Some of you rolled your spiritual eyeballs. Some of you said, that guy and that guy and that guy might have been gifted, but most certainly God skipped me when he was giving out the presents. That, dear brother and sister, is not true. We believe that God's Word would teach that each and every person here who's a Christian, who's been redeemed, who has new birth in Christ, each and every person has received a spiritual gift. Now, one of the questions that we should ask that is, okay, if I'm a Christian, I, I know I've done that. I've trusted in Jesus Christ for, my, for the salvation of my soul, for the remission of my sins. But I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I mean, I, like, trusted in Christ a long time ago. I don't know what the gift is. How do I go about finding out what my gift is? You've probably seen some of those tests even on Facebook before circulating. Click here, answer these 10 questions, and we'll tell you what your spiritual gift is. I don't know if you've ever taken one of those. I'm not saying they're bad, but I am saying this. They don't come from the Bible. You you can scour these pages for the test to tell you what is your spiritual gift. You will not find that particular test. So then how do we know what our spiritual gift is if what I'm saying, every person here has been given a spiritual gift? Let me give you at least three ways. First, you just got to go try stuff out. If you've not been serving in the church, if you're new to serving here at faith or where you came from before this, if you're new to all of that, then one of the fastest ways to discover what your spiritual gift is just try a whole bunch of things. If your hope is I'm going to sit in quiet reflection and just ponder and consider what my spiritual gift might be, and then one day in a flash of lightning I'm going to know what my gift is, that method is not going to work for you. The best way to discover what is your spiritual gift is to get out there and try something. Second then, as you're trying something, you're going to notice that you're getting better at it and you're enjoying that thing more and more. That as you try whatever it is that you have been working at, you will notice you enjoy this thing and you're getting better at that thing. There's going to be trial and error, but there's going to be eventually something that comes to you And you say, I think that this might be my spiritual gift. This might be something that God is calling me to. And then thirdly, there's going to be consensus in the church that this would be your spiritual gift. Meaning, if if you said one day, look, I think I have the spiritual gift of teaching. So you, you tried to lead a Bible study and you try to explain what God's Word has to say, and then week after week, month after month, when people came to your Bible study, they're like, I don't have a clue what that guy is saying. Then you probably don't have the spiritual gift of teaching Or if you say, you know, I have the spiritual gift of administration, I want to use it to the glory of God in the church, and then every time something is entrusted to you, it just hopelessly falls apart from the administrative process, then you might not have the spiritual gift of administration. Meaning, I do believe, like I said, that you will enjoy it, you will get better at it but we can't let our emotions dictate if that is truly your spiritual gift. There will be a sense of confirmation from the body that this is your spiritual gift or gifts. When people in the congregation affirm that your gift, then you know that you're getting closer and closer to what your gifting might be. Now, that doesn't mean that just because you were saved, just because you came to a moment of salvation and you received the gift at that point, that doesn't mean that your gift is fully matured, fully developed. That might be for you at the very beginning just a seedling. If you would have found me when I was saved, I don't think you would have said, that guy has the gift of teaching. That guy has the gift of preaching. You might be thinking that guy still doesn't have the gift of teaching and preaching. Please hold your tomatoes till after the service. But the point is, often our gifts will grow. They will mature over time. But at some point you were given it, And at some point, you were called to use it. So if we believe, then, that every Christian has received a gift, I think a natural thing for all of us to ask here this morning is, do I know at least one of the gifts that was given to me? Every believer was given at least one spiritual gift. Do I know what mine is? That might be one of the most important things that you do this week is consider how do I discover what is my spiritual gift? Or if you know at least what one of your gifts is, are you actually using that gift Meaning you, you might know you're really good at administration. You might know that you're really good at teaching. You might know that you're really good at a number of things, but like the person who received one talent in Matthew 25, you buried it in the ground. You aren't using it. Or you might be using your gift, but you're using it Monday through Friday to earn a paycheck. And you don't use that gift to serve the church. I would encourage everybody here this morning and as we move through this series on spiritual gifts in this coming week, in the coming weeks, that you'd be considering do I know what my spiritual gift is? And if I don't, I'll go find out what it is. And if I do, then I'm going to be carefully considering how do I use my spiritual gift. Then, as I mentioned, we need to figure out when did you receive a a spiritual gift? Is your spiritual gift like a driver's license or like DNA? Meaning, a a driver's license is something that you get after you've reached a a certain level of maturity, you've taken some tests, you've been cleared by the BMV to, to drive on the road. Is it like that? because nobody wants to see a seven-year-old driving a tractor trailer down I-65. So you're not born with the right to drive. You have to earn it and do something for it. Or is it like your DNA? Born, given to you at the moment of birth, this is who you are. Let's look at two passages to try to answer that. As each one has received a special gift. Notice the the past tense there, or 1 Corinthians 12, but the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he, that is the Spirit, wills. The answer is, at the moment, at the moment a person trusts in Jesus Christ, they have received the Holy Spirit. That is when they get their gift. I think that's an important caveat for us just to kind of pause right here and consider this morning. We've been talking about spiritual gifts. We've been talking about believers who have spiritual gifts. But there is two different categories of persons, not only in this room, but but around the entire world. There are believers, persons who've trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ— to satisfy the wrath of God, right? We will celebrate that here in a moment in a very public way, the satisfaction of God's wrath in the body of Christ by by taking the blood or by taking the the bread. And then we'll rejoice that that Christ's righteousness was imputed on our accounts, that that we were washed clean by the, the blood by celebrating and taking the cup. If you've trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, then then you are a person at the moment of your new birth, you have received your spiritual gift. But there are people here who very well may not have trusted yet in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to satisfy their sin, to ensure that they are going to be with God in all eternity. And so today, before you spend too much time thinking about what your spiritual gift could be and and how I can use my gift, today, if you don't know that you are a Christian, today would be a really good day to spend time examining the claims of Christ on your life and on your soul about salvation. But for those of us who have trusted in Christ, we have, at the moment of salvation, received at least one gift. That's when you received it. It's more like the DNA. It's not like the driver's license. Now, you might get more gifts, or more gifts might become apparent as you become older and mature in Christ, but you received at least one at the moment of salvation. I think one of the most appropriate things to do then when we consider that is just to praise God for what He did give to us. Romans 8 would put it like this in verse 32, that "That He gave you His Son, won't He freely give you all things in Christ Jesus? Meaning, we should be so grateful not only for our salvation, but He also gave us gifts. God could have stopped at just giving us Jesus. He can say, look, I provided you with salvation. I provided you with a way to be with me in eternity. The rest here, it's up to you. You figure it out while you're down there. And yet, because he loves us so much, he also gave us gifts, spiritual gifts while we're here, gifts to serve, to edify, to encourage, and to build up. So if you received a gift at your salvation, which you did if you trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, one of the appropriate responses to do, not only to deploy your gift, is to rejoice in the love that your Father has shown to you by giving you good gifts then we should consider what is the purpose of these spiritual gifts. I know I've hinted at a little bit of this before, but but let me give you two purposes that I think are really clear from Scripture and are really essential for us to consider this morning. The first is this, for the building up of the body. God gave spiritual gifts for the building up of the body, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service. One of the common metaphors that is used to describe the church is that it is a building that is being built. For example, you could write down 1 Corinthians 3 and see how Paul describes himself as a, as a wise master builder. He would laid the foundation of the church at Corinth. That is the gospel. But he recognized that he and others were building on that foundation. We, the church, are even described at certain points as being God's temple. The, the metaphor of building is used all over Scripture. And that's, for example, what your pastors do when they come up here and they're, and they're teaching the Word. We're, we're trying to use the gifts that we've been given to build up the body. When you're in a small group and, and your, your small group leader is using their gifts, they're, they're trying to build up the body. When the musicians are up here singing and leading us, they're trying to build up the body. When the children's ministry servants are serving, they're trying to build up the body. Why did God give spiritual gifts? What is the purpose? One of the purposes is to build up The body. And I just want to say, praise God, that I see so many of you using your gifts in that way. There are so many of you who who use the gifts that God has given to you to build up the body. But it might be an appropriate time to reflect and to consider are there greater ways that I need to grow in using my gifts to build up and to encourage and strengthen this local body of believers. It's great if you're using your gifts to make money Monday through Friday. It's great if you're using your gifts to serve your family. But are you also using the gifts that God has given to you for the building up of the body of Christ. If not, I'd encourage you to consider, are there ways that I can use those gifts, use those gifts in the coming days, weeks, months ahead? You heard Pastor Burke mention about fall readiness training. That that would be a great opportunity for you to come and to hear how can I use my gifts to serve the body. Whatever it is, we want to use the gifts that have been given for the building up but also for the bringing of unity to the church. The unity, you've seen it in a couple of these passages, but I'll highlight it in Ephesians 4 for a moment. Till we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the goal, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ Christ. That is the goal, the bringing of unity to the church as well as the building up of the body. Christ promised that he would give unity, that he would give peace to his church. He gave it. Our job is to maintain that unity. And part of the way that unity is maintained, unity is built in the body, is through using our gifts To serve one another. When the world looks around and they see how how a people that have been given various gifts, each one being different and unique, when, when the world sees different cultures, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different ages using their gifts to serve one another, the world should look in and think, that is unique, that is peculiar, that is different. One of the ways that we use our gifts is to build and bring unity in the body. So when a senior saint needs help with a project at their home, the college kids use their spiritual gift of strong backs to serve at their home. Or if you've been given the gift of financial management, you'll use that to serve your, your brothers and sisters. Whatever it is, you using of our gifts... To serve one another helps build, foster unity that is in the body. And when the world sees that type of unity, it's a powerful apologetic for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when you think about if you know what your gifts are, are you using your gifts for the building up of the body? And, and as you use your gifts, are you using them in a way that, that brings unity in this body? If so, praise the Lord. And if not, consider what areas do you need to grow in as you use your gifts to bring about unity in the body. Then lastly, are all spiritual gifts mentioned in the New Testament Are they active today? First, let me just say a couple of words of introduction before we answer these particular questions. I believe that there are going to be people in this room and at the various campuses that Faith Church has that will answer this question differently than the way I'm about to answer this question. The way I'm about to answer the question is, is the way that our church's confessional documents, our practice have been, but I realize the way that some of you may answer this question is different. What we have to answer, what we have to determine then, is that okay? Because there are certain things that we would say that you have to believe in order to be a Christian. And there are certain things that you cannot believe in order to be a member of this body and possibly even a Christian. There are certain things that you must do in order to be a Christian, and there there are certain things that you must shun. Does the way we answer this question fall into that? Meaning you have to believe that you're saved by faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. You must believe that in order to be a member of this church that you don't have to go about earning your salvation. There's also certain beliefs that you cannot hold to and be a member of this church. If you believe that you have to pray to Mary for the remission of your sins, and you have to say 30 Hail Marys, you should not be a member of this church. Or there's certain ways that you need to act, that when confronted with sin, That you you would turn and repent and and put off those sinful ways. You're called to live that way. And if your view is, well, I'll just ask forgiveness for that one day, then you ought not be a member of this church. So there's certain things that you must believe. There there are certain things you cannot believe. There, There are certain things that you must do in order to call faith church your home. The question is... Does the way that you answer this question about spiritual gifts being active today, does it fit into that category, or does it fit into a different category altogether? Where where you can believe and disagree and function in a different way than the way I'm about to answer this question, but we still can have unity. We still can be part of the same church family. And what I would say is that good people can disagree about this as long as if you disagree, you do not become divisive about your differing beliefs with one another. Meaning we can hold to different beliefs on this topic, but we cannot be divisive and argue our points at the sacrificing of the unity of this body. Let me organize this answer to this question about do I believe that the gifts are active today by first describing the two types of gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. The first is the authenticating gifts, the other being the edifying gifts. Now, when we talk about the authenticating gifts, think about stories like Moses. Think about stories like Elijah. Moses shows up in the court of Pharaoh and he says, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And Pharaoh is like, who is the Lord that I should listen to his voice? And so Moses performed miracles, authenticating signs to indicate to everybody who was listening, he spoke for the Lord or Elijah. He goes up on Mount Carmel for a little bit, and he proves to everyone that he speaks for Yahweh, the, the living God of Israel. All the prophets of Baal try to get their little sacrifice to light. They do everything all day. It doesn't work at all. And Elijah calls fire down from heaven, and even the stones are licked up. Point being that those were authenticating. There there was a word delivered by a by a prophet of the Lord and then there was a sign that authenticated his words. There's a different type of gifts, edifying gifts. Let's look at what the authenticating gifts are first. Generally, this is the way the Bible describes what the authenticating gifts are. These are just a few references that we've even looked at here this morning that would guide you to what are those gifts. Gifts like prophecy, gifts like healing, gifts like miracles. Right? Think about healing. Christ said, which is harder, say to the lame man, get up or your sins are forgiven. But so that you would know that the Son of man has the authority to forgive sins. I say, get up. They were authenticating Christ's message. Then there are the edifying gifts. Gifts like teaching, gifts like exhortation, giving, and leadership. These are a different type of gifts all together. And the answer is are all of these gifts still active for today? Authenticating gifts were necessary until the completion of Scripture, but they are no longer needed. The authenticating gifts are no longer needed. Meaning the ones that we saw, the gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles, etc., those gifts were there to confirm this is what the Lord says. And now that we have the completed Word of God, we no longer need that. And so when the pastors get up here and say, this is the Word of the Lord, and we read to you from the Scriptures, and we tell you what its meaning is and ways to apply it, we don't need to turn a staff into a snake anymore to be like, that is the Word of the Lord. You can go study the Word of God for yourself with the Spirit in your heart and determine, is that what the Lord has said? And so no. Not all spiritual gifts are active today because we have the completed Scriptures. The gifts that are active today are the edifying gifts, the gifts that are needed and used and given today. And just because you see that list, that chart that we put up there, that doesn't mean that's all of the gifts that exist. That just means those are the ones that are often talked about in the Scriptures. And many times when you see a list in the Bible, it, it's representative, not exhaustive. And the same is true of those edifying gifts today as we consider what our gifts are. Dear brothers and sisters, I hope that you would now understand a little bit better what are spiritual gifts. I hope that you would see that if you've trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that you were given a spiritual gift that the gifts that are needed for today are the ones that edify the body, that keep our unity, all for the glory of God, and that you would want to use your gift in that way.